You are listening to the Central Students Podcast. To learn more about Central Students, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net slash students. If you have your Bibles, we are in Joshua chapter 24. This is our last week in the book of Joshua. As you know, like last week, we were in Joshua chapter 7, and we skipped all the way to 24. Some of you are like, yo, what? Um, there's a lot of really good things in the book of Joshua. Uh, and I encourage you, if you want, go back and read it, right? Don't let the only time you go through the book of Joshua be when you're hearing me talk about it. Um, but we are in Joshua chapter 24. And as you turn to that, I want to talk to you guys about choices. All right, so I have a question. Would you rather have an unlimited amount of choices. There's three options. You could have an unlimited amount of choices. You could be able to choose between three things that someone has chosen for you, or you only can do what someone else chooses for you. Does that make sense? So you have an unlimited amount of choices. You can choose amongst like three things that someone else has chosen for you, or you always do what someone else has chosen for you, okay? How many of you would, have un- would rather have unlimited amount of choices? How many of you would rather choose between like two or three things? And how many of you would rather have somebody else just make the choices for you? Okay, it's interesting that, 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 that's, kind of, that that's kind of what we have. So most people would prefer to have like, you know, let me just choose between like two or three things. Like why would you rather choose between like two or three things instead of like choose from like an unlimited number of things? Just curious, like somebody tell me. It's stressful, right? Like, all right, it's stressful, whatever, things like that. You can narrow down the answer, okay. I'll... It's overwhelming, right? Yeah. Okay, well, so these are good, these are good, uh, these are good answers, right? So there's obviously, there's no like perfect answer. There's not like there's one answer I'm looking for, right? But I think it's interesting though, this idea of choices, that choices are something that we will, we are all faced with, right? That we make hundreds and hundreds of choices every single day, right? You chose to sit in the seat that you sat in. You chose to put on the clothes that you put on today. You chose to come here tonight. You chose to, and if you didn't choose to come here tonight, you chose to listen to the person who brought you here tonight, right? Like we all are making choices constantly throughout our days and throughout our lives. And there are some choices that stick with you more than other choices. Like what I chose to eat for lunch today Maybe it isn't sticking with me a whole lot, but the person that I chose to marry, yeah, that's a big decision, right? Like we, like, we have these decisions in our lives, and all of us are making these decisions, and I think a lot of us live our lives like this. Okay, I, I make these decisions. All I'm trying to do is just avoid the bad decisions. That's kind of how a lot of us live our lives. Like we're not really seeking what the right decision is. We're just trying to stay away from the wrong ones. And what we're talking about tonight is we're actually going to talk about choices, but when we're talking about choices, we're going to talk about choices in a different kind of way. We're talking about choice that every single person in this room is faced with. Every single day that you have breath in your lungs, you are faced with this choice. And we're going to read in Joshua chapter 24, and we're going to start in verse 14. I want you to listen to this. Because when we're talking about the choices that all of us face... Every person in this room tonight is faced with the same choice. Will you commit your life to God or not? 
So verse 14, Joshua says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. There's one verse that I want, like hanging in my house, and Kayla knows this, it's Joshua 24, 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is, and Fedinka has it, and we went to the store where you have it, and we can't find it, right? We, but I want that sign in my house, that decision that, I, look, I don't know what you're going to do, but what I'm going to do, what me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that proclamation, but there's two things I want us to look at today, and it's this. There's two things. The first one is Joshua's command, and the second one is Joshua's caution, First, we're going to look at Joshua's command. The very first two words, now therefore. As I've said many times, and those of you who've listened to me speak uh, for a significant amount of time, you probably already know what I'm going to say before I say it. Uh, But whenever you are reading your Bible and you see the word therefore, you need to go back and see what it's there for. Okay? So if you see therefore, He is talking, he's about to say something significant based on what he has already said, right? I've said this many, many times. And Joshua here is using what he has just told them as the basis for what he is about to tell them. And, you know, we're not going to go through all of it right now, but verses 1 through 13 is basically Joshua recounting many of the ways that God has been faithful to the people of Israel, right? He starts uh, with Abraham, And he goes all the way from Abraham to present day of God was faithful in this way. God did this for you. God did this for you. God did this for you. God has done this for you. God has done this for you. And uh, verse 13 is kind of the culmination of this, right? Verse 13 is the culmination of this. So uh, just to give you some context, the people of Israel have basically conquered the entire land of Canaan. They have conquered the promised land, and now they're about to go and live in the land that they have now conquered. And this is verse 13, and I want you to listen to this. And this is basically, God says, God says this to the people of Israel. He goes, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. What God is saying to the people of Israel here is, you are living in cities that you didn't build. You're living on land that you did not cultivate. You're eating fruit that you didn't plant. And all of us can can relate to that to some extent. Like, God has provided for you in ways that we can't even, like, comprehend. You see, this is a common practice all throughout Scripture. God is constantly reminding his people, the people of Israel, he's constantly reminding his people of his faithfulness to them and reminding them how they have gotten to this point. And the question is, why? Like, did they not know this? Of course they knew this. Why do they constantly, you see this happen here, you see it happen um, in other parts of the Bible, you see it happen in the book of Acts, right, when um, Stephen is uh, preaching, right, you see it happen when Peter is preaching at Pentecost, you see this all the time. The question is, why? I want you to notice this, because everything you do in life should be viewed as a response to God's faithfulness to you. Everything that you do in life you should view 
as I do this out of a response to what God has already done for me. Now, I want you to see how this plays out. There's several answers to the following questions, but I want you to really challenge the way you think. Think about it this way. You, when someone says, why do you go to church? Me? Because this is how I choose to respond to the way that God has been faithful to me. Why do I read my Bible? Because this is the way that I've chosen to respond to God's faithfulness to me. Why do I sing songs to him? Because this is how I have chosen to respond to God's faithfulness to me. It's powerful when you think of it this way, but it's also convicting when you think about other things. I challenge you to think of this. Why did you sin like that? Because that is how I have chosen to respond to God's faithfulness to me. Why did you look at what you should know you should not have looked at? Because that is how I have chosen to respond to God's faithfulness to me. Why did you curse that person out? Because that is how I have chosen to respond to God's faithfulness to me. See, it's encouraging when we think about the positive things, but it's incredibly convicting when we look at how we live our lives in ways that God would not approve of. Think about it. We sing that song, right? We sing that song, uh, it's your breath and our lungs, so I pour out my praise. Think, do you think, think about what that is saying? It's God has given you the breath. What will you use it for? How many breaths have you used to curse God rather than worship him, but he still gives you more? God is faithful, and everything that we do is in response to how he has already been faithful to us. Well, that's a convicting view of our sin. It's a powerful one. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. See, your life, everything that you do, especially as a Christian, your life is in response to God's faithfulness. And as I said several weeks ago, for those of you who remember, the way you respond to God's faithfulness to you will reveal everything that you need to know about yourself. The way you respond to God's faithfulness to you will tell you everything you need to know about yourself. We're going to keep going. We're going to go on. We're going to see what does he say. He says, now therefore, and then he says, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, now that Joshua has established the basis for his command, right, that his command, he's established the basis. He said, the reason I am commanding you this is to look at what he has done for you. Like, I'm not telling you to do this for, with, with no, like, reason, with no motivation. Like, the reason I'm going to say this is because of what I have just said about how God has been faithful to you. So now that we've seen the basis for his command, we see what is his command, and it's time for him to issue that command, and his command is quite simple. Make your choice. Make your choice. This is something that I believe many of us in this room tonight need to hear. And perhaps the reason you are here is to hear this message. Make your choice. If I'm being honest, this is the way that I have observed many young people, when I say young people, I include myself, I'm only 27, I'm not that old, right? This is how many people my age and your age, this is how I have observed many people view a relationship with Christ. I have it until I choose not to. As long as I don't reject it and I go to church, then I still have it. 
And why do I come up with that? Because you see it whenever someone decides to what? When they, when they decide to publicly proclaim that they don't believe in Christianity, they always say that they are renouncing their faith or they're saying that they are walking away from Christ or they are no longer a Christian. Have you heard this? Some of my favorite YouTubers are guys named Rhett and Link. You might've heard of them uh, from Good Mythical Morning. And maybe like a little over a year ago, uh, they came out and basically said that they no longer are Christians, they no longer believe uh, in what Christianity has to teach, and they you know, explain all these different things. And what you see is not that they are no longer Christians. What you are seeing is that they never were Christians, and they are just now making their choice. I want to be clear with that. Because, because when you say, I'm no longer a Christian, what you are saying is that I had it until I chose not to have it anymore. And that's not how Christianity works. You are not born a Christian. You are not a Christian because your parents are. 1 John 2.19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not have continued. Sorry, if they, sorry, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be, that it might be plain that they were not of us. See, the decision to follow Christ is an active commitment not a passive one. You do not accidentally become a Christian. You are not raised becoming, like becoming a Christian. You're not a Christian because your parents are. You're not a Christian because your grandparents are. You're not a Christian because your friends are. You're not a Christian because you come to church. It is a decision that cannot be made for you, and it is a decision that you cannot run from. Choose this day whom you will serve. The decision to be a Christ follower is a commitment that, must, that you must make for yourself. I'm speaking directly to you, and if this is something that you need to hear, I need you to pay attention to what I'm saying. To be a Christian is a decision you have to make for yourself. No one else can make it for you. I can't make it for you. If I could make it for you, I wouldn't preach the way I do. You can't make, no one can make it for you. You have to make it for yourself. You are not a Christian because your parents are Christians. You are not a Christian because you go to church. The Christian life is one of active commitment to the creator of all things. The people of Israel were constantly in this wavering back and forth. They were constantly in this, this, well, we're committed to God, and then we're going to serve these gods. We're going we're gonna, to, oh, sorry, sorry, God, we're committed to God, and then we're going to go worship Baal. Or, oh, God, we're going to worship you, and then we're going to make a golden calf, right? They're constantly wavering, and then it gets to this point in 1 Kings chapter 18 where Elijah, the prophet, is like, okay, that's enough. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21 says, and Elijah came near to all the people, and he said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. See, idolatry and serving other gods were constant temptations for the Israelites. And there are several instances in scripture where God has these reckoning moments with his people. Moments where he tells them that this wavering has to stop. Pick one. Pick one. And what I want to do tonight is I want to present to you this Topic, pick one. Many of you, many people, not just you, many people, this wavering. Pick one. There's, a call, there's something called the DTR talk. 
I don't know if you guys have ever heard this. DTR, it's called, it means define the relationship, right? Oftentimes, this is a conversation that many boys like to avoid. And I say boys because they're not men, or else they, would, or else they wouldn't be afraid of this conversation. But there's this define the, the, find the relationship. And what I mean by define the relationship is this, you know, like, all right, like, like we've been hanging out for a while. Like, I ain't hanging out with nobody else. You ain't hanging out with nobody else. I, I might put my arm around you. You might, you're like, mm-hmm, you know, like, it's like, whatever. Like, we might, we might, like, be like, we kind of sit next to each other and, like, like, our hands, like, gravitate towards each other and like you trembling because guys guys we're, we're you know we're, we're you know we're wimps you know we like we like to act tough but we're like we're like right right and, and then but but we have a committed right we have we're not saying we're dating right we're not saying this we're not saying whatever but but there's this all right and then you have to get to a point all right you know what where are we are we a thing or not define the relationship don't drag me along. I won't drag you along. Let's define where we are. If we're dating, we're dating. If we're just friends, then stop acting like we're dating. And it's time for you to have that conversation with yourself and with God about your relationship with him. Let's define the relationship. Where are you? Where does your allegiance lie? Joshua is commanding Israel to define the relationship. Elijah was commanding Israel back then to define the relationship. And I am telling you tonight, define the relationship. Where are you? Is he just a friend? Is he just a guy you go to when you're in trouble? Is he a guy that you want to be your savior, but you don't want him to be your Lord? Is he a guy that sounds great? Is he a guy that you enjoy the benefits that he provides? Is he a guy that you just kind of like to come and like, like, I'll put up with people talking about him, but I don't really talk to him? Define the relationship. How long will you waver between two opinions? How much longer will you worship God and sports? How much longer will you worship God and your girlfriend or boyfriend? How much longer will you worship God and popularity? How much longer will you worship God and acceptance? How much longer will you worship God and social media influence? How much longer, and I could go on and on and on and on. How much longer will you worship God and blank? I want to be clear here. In no way am I suggesting that these are easy decisions to carry out. I'm not. I have lived these decisions. I have said no to things because of my commitment to Christ. All of the volunteers in here have lived these decisions. Some of you have lived these decisions. These are not easy decisions to carry out. And we are, but I will tell you that all of us who have lived through these decisions, we are all witnesses to tell you this, that they are hard to carry out, but they are oh so worth it. Oh so worth it. Simply put, you cannot run from these choices. You cannot run from this choice. So here's the question. Why do we, why do we run from these choices? Why do we run from this? Why are we so afraid of that define the relationship talk with God? I'm going to give you three reasons why I think. The first reason is we misunderstand who God is. 
Many people see God as someone who is committed to them as they venture through life pursuing their own desires. He's more of a genie in a bottle rather than a God that you should serve. Like your understanding of God is wrong. God is not some deity that follows you around and asking what do you want to do today? We have this understanding that look, God's committed to me and he'll go where I go. Do you, do you hear the arrogance in that? God's committed to me and he'll go wherever I go and if I need help, I know who I'm gonna call. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is worthy of your admiration. He is worthy of your service and he is worthy of your wholehearted commitment. Notice that Joshua says, fear the Lord and serve him. Fear the Lord and serve him. Here's a question I have for you. How many of you fear God? And many people will say, well, this doesn't mean fear. It means respect. If it meant respect, it would say respect. Now, I'm not saying that you fear God like you're scared to death of him, that you don't want to talk to him. What I'm saying is, is it, it, do you have a righteous fear of God? And when I'm talking fear of God, like a fear of God to where like when temptation is before you, you run from it because you're afraid of what it'll do to you. I'll give you an example. Like, so growing up, my, so my dad, when he was younger, uh, he took karate and these different like, you know, forms of karate and he's, he was a black belt. He went, well, the day he went in to get his black belt test, uh, they closed the dojo. So I just say he's a black belt, even though he didn't get, <laughs> he didn't get the actual belt, right? But like, and I've heard stories of him defending himself when he was younger and all these different things. And you know, it's interesting, like in my mind, I'm like, that's a side of my dad I don't want to see, right? Like, I don't want to see that. I especially don't want to see that angled towards me right? Like, I fear that side of what he could do. However, I am not afraid of him. There's times where when I was younger, I would walk through areas, especially in downtown Orlando, right? You walk down around downtown Orlando, and you know what? Like, I feared what my dad could do, but it made me draw closer to him because I knew the safest place to be was where he was. When I'm talking, do you fear the Lord? Do you fear what he could do? what he can do, what he has done. But your fear draws you closer to him. See, we don't understand what a relationship with God is all about. And because of that, we don't think we need to commit to him. Christianity is about God serving me, isn't it? Not me serving God. Because of this belief and this teaching style that we hear all the time, we have thousands of people who have never been faced with the reality of the choice before them. And I will tell you, you, leaving here tonight, you cannot plead ignorance. You cannot say, no one told me I had to do anything. I'm not saying, like, earn your salvation. You, you know what I'm saying. You are being faced with that choice tonight. Second one, why do we run from these choices? First one, we misunderstand God. Second one, we're afraid of commitment. I believe this is probably one of the main reasons that so many people are afraid to face the decision that I am presenting you with tonight. People are afraid of what their commitment will cost them. Let's be honest. We're afraid of what that commitment will cost. Notice that Joshua doesn't simply say, serve the Lord. What does he say? He says, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt, and then serve the Lord. We have grown so attached to these false gods that we just like to say, well, I'll serve the Lord, but I won't put away these false gods. You see the problem there? That's like, that's like saying, like, that's, that's like saying I have a girlfriend. That's not my wife. 
Okay, problem, right? But I'm like, and then when I meet Kayla, I'm like, hey, like, I want to marry you, but do you mind if she tags along too? And we're like, that's disgusting and that's wrong and that's crazy, but why are you acting like that with your relationship with God then? If it's so bad. And God is far more worthy of my devotion than she is. But oftentimes I find myself treating my wife better than I treat my heavenly father. We're afraid to commit because we're afraid of what it'll cost. We've grown so attached to these false gods that we are scared of what it means to let go of them. Those of you that worship your boyfriend or girlfriend, and I'm not saying, you know, hands and knees, ha-da-da-da-da-da. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, in your heart, you have idolized them to the point to where you worship them. Now, I'm saying, now, hear me what I'm saying. I am not telling you that you have to break up with them in order to be a Christian. Don't leave this place and say, hey, like, we got to have that DTR talk, right? And we got to have that talk. I'm like, hey, look, my student pastor said I got to break up with you. Don't put that on me, okay? Like, don't do that. Don't do that, please. That's not what I'm saying. However, I will say this, and please pay attention. If you are afraid of fully committing to Christ because of the impact that it will have on your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend, then you have already revealed what you cherish most. You've already revealed what you cherish most. If you are afraid, I'll say that again, if you are afraid of fully committing to Christ because of the impact that it will have on your significant other, then you have already revealed who you worship. We have gotten far too comfortable, guys. We have forgotten that everything around you is temporary and that Christ is eternal. The third reason that, we're, that we run from these choices, and this is one that's extremely relevant today, is that we think we have all the time to decide. Look at what Joshua says here in verse 15. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. He doesn't say, just choose who you'll serve. He says, choose today. The saddest thing is seeing someone think that they have all the time in the world when they really don't. Earlier this year, a football player from Seminole High School died in a car accident. This weekend, a student from Lake Mary High School died of a drug overdose. You do not have all the time you think you do. When I was in high school, I can name three kids that died before they graduated. I'm not saying this to scare you. What I'm trying to say is don't think I'll make that decision later in life. Don't make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. You don't get a second chance. What are you going to do with right now? Do not for a second think that you have time to decide. You can control, you know, what happens tomorrow. You can't. You can't control if you'll get your next breath. yet alone several years. James 4, 13 through 16. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. 
What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Why do you think I preach to you so passionately? I preach to you with such passion and with such, like, just, like, ugh, right? Because I don't know if I will ever get the chance to do it again. If the last time you hear me is like this, then I will know that that was, I gave you all I had. Understand this, not making a choice is making a choice. I want you to hear this too. People are not sent to hell because they reject Jesus. Now that seems like you're like, whoa, what are you saying? Like this is the Christian church, right? Hear me out. People are not sent to hell because they reject Jesus. People are condemned to hell because of their sin. And only through a personal relationship with Jesus can you be saved. So here's why I say that. Just because you have not openly rejected Jesus with your mouth does not mean that you have not rejected him. You understand what I'm saying? Like if you were to die right now, where would you go? Well, I haven't openly rejected Jesus. Well, you don't go to hell for that. You go to hell because of your sin. I would go to hell because of my sin. And it's only through surrendering to Christ that I don't. So it's not about why I haven't openly rejected him. It's have you surrendered to him? If you have, so you need to know this. If you have never repented of your sins, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus alone to save you, then you have rejected Christ. There is no difference between you and the person who openly rejects him. The only difference is that one is more bold than the other. If you have rejected him with your heart, but not with your lips, you are the same as the person who rejected him with their lips. The only difference is that the other person is more bold than you. That's the only difference. Paul says in scripture, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week, not when you're old and you have kids and you realize you need Jesus to raise these kids. Today, today, the choice is before you now. What does he say? He goes on and he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is by far one of my favorite Bible verses. And know this, if you do not have a relationship with Christ, I urge you to have one. I pray for you to have one. I desperately want that more than anything in the entire world. All of the volunteers in here desperately want that more than anything in the entire world. And the reason we want this for you is because it is the decision that we have made. I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't done. And for those of you who are Christians, remember that all that, remember this, that you cannot save anyone. All you can do is present the choice and live out the decision that you have made. That is it. You can't decide for them. All you can do is these are your options and this is what I have chosen. What are you gonna do? You may reject Christ, but I won't. This world may serve many false gods, but I desire to serve the true God. I'm not saying anything great about me. 
but I want you to know, what does Joshua say? These are your options. Choose what you're gonna choose, but before you choose, know this. This is what I've chosen. And no matter what you do, it's not gonna change what I've chosen. I'm committed. I'm bought in. I'm sold out. I remember talking to Kayla a, a while ago. I was like, if, I'm, if I wasn't doing what I was doing now, I do not know what I would be doing. Like, I can't imagine my life. And now I'm not trying to say, like, in order to be a Christian, you have to be a pastor. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, like, just living my life sold out for Christ. And for you, if that is being sold out for Christ at a church, cool. If it's being sold out for Christ in the military, cool. Whatever it is. But living my life sold out for Christ, I don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't. Allow your life to be an example. You cannot choose for the ones that you love. All you can do is present the choice and make the choice yourself and then present that choice to others. So we see Joshua's command, make up your mind, make your choice. But then we see Joshua's caution, and trust me, this is not as long as the first point, so let not your hearts be troubled. So we see Joshua's command, then we see the people of Israel respond, verses 16 and 18. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord, our God, who brought us, and, uh, brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in, in our sight and preserved us, all, uh, preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before all us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. See, if you're Joshua, like this is the exact response that you were hoping to hear, right? Make your choice. False gods, true God. And they're like, yo, true God, easy, done, boom. Like, and, and, and you think, like, okay, cool. Like, that's what I wanted to hear. I mean, they just committed, right? They are sold out. They are ready to roll, right? Like, they just committed. They, like, they just said the sinner's prayer, so to speak, right? Like, they're like, yeah, I'm committed to Jesus. But look at what Joshua responds with, verses 19 through 23. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. Let's just stop right there. He's like, choose to stay. Like, he's like, put away these false gods, serve God. They're like, okay, yeah, we'll serve God. And then he says, you can't serve God. Like, well, why would you give me the option, right? Like, you know, but I want you to see this. You cannot, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord and to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. And he said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but I was pretty thrown off by this response by Joshua, right? I mean, why would he get all doom and gloom on them? They're like, he's like, yeah, serve Jesus, serve Jesus. And they're like, yeah, yeah, serve Jesus. And he's like, yeah, no, you can't. And you're like, what? You know, he's like, no, because you can't. Because, because you're not, well, what he's doing here is he's saying, look, you can't serve God because God won't be served by someone who's serving others. So someone's serving other gods. You, what he is saying is that a commitment to Christ is not something to be taken lightly. I mean, they gave the desired answer. But Joshua understood something that many of them then and even many people today do not understand. 
that a commitment to Christ is not something to be taken lightly. You see, being a disciple of Jesus is more than just lip service. It's more than just saying it. It's more than saying a prayer. It's more than saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I love you. Like, that's great. Being a Christian is a life rooted in faith that leads to a lifestyle of commitment to Christ because of the grace of God. Commitment to Christ is your life, not your words. See, they were committing with their mouths and Joshua was reminding them, don't say it if you don't mean it. Because the covenant that they make to God is something that they will be held accountable to. Don't say it if you don't mean it. And this is something that we get totally backwards in in a lot of modern churches today. What do we do? We're like, you know, hey, like we give a super vague gospel presentation. Stand up if you believe it. And you get like 100 people to stand up. And they're like, yo, we got 100 people saved tonight. And you don't know anything about their commitment. All they did was raise their hand. But we're proclaiming from the rooftops. We had 100 people saved tonight. Yeah, we'll see in 10 years. If you had 100 people saved tonight. You see what I'm trying to say? Like we shoot for all we want. All we want is I just want to hear a verbal commitment. I'm going to baptize you, dunk you, put you in a discipleship program. And I don't care where you really are with God. As long as you say what I want to hear. So that I can get you in my system, in my machine of discipleship. And I'll spin you out, send you to the world. And what we do is we send a bunch of unsaved people to go share the gospel. That's not what we're about. More people will be saved in a living room than they will in the pews of a church. Why? Because it is a conversation. It's time. It is a commitment. It's understanding what Christ has done for you. It's not, hey, repeat after me. Where in the Bible do you see that? Where in the Bible do you see Peter say, I see those eyes? Now, I'm not trying to say anything bad against somebody who does that. Because oftentimes what we're trying to see is really what, like, it's like, all right, I'm just trying to see, like, who is interested? Who's thinking about this? Who's, you know, and I want to be able to follow up with that person. But what I'm trying to say is do not go declaring people saved just because they spoke with their lips. What did Jesus say about the Pharisees? He says, these men honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He compared them to whitewashed tombs. And what he's basically saying, on the outside, it looks wonderful, it looks ornate, it looks beautiful, but on the inside, it's just full of dead bones. This is what Jesus says in Luke 14, as I wrap it up. Luke 14, verses 25 through 33, says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, See, Jesus' popularity is at like an all-time high, and this is what he does. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock him saying, this man began to build what he was not able to finish. For those of you who've lived here for a while, look at the I-4 eyesore. 
Verse 31, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and and deliberate whether he is able to with 10,000 to meet the one who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be to my disciple. And what is Jesus saying here? He's not saying you have to hate your family. What he's saying here is, are you willing to count the cost? I told you the importance, you got to make a decision. But what I want you to understand is I'm not here just to get lip service. I'm not here to be like, all right, now who's going to make it with me? No, what I'm saying is this. Understand that to become a Christian, to surrender your life to Christ, is to surrender the rest of your life to him. It's not a moment. It's not an emotional high. Are you willing to surrender the rest of your life We aren't out here seeking to create cheap disciples. We want to make disciples, not fake disciples. We're not out here trying to get people to repeat after me, get them baptized, and claim that we had 200 people get saved. We're out here seeking to create disciples, and disciples are far more than just people who say the right words. There are people who are willing to give it all for Jesus. But here's the question, why should I commit to Jesus? I mean, I basically just gave you several reasons why you can't sit on the fence, why you can't not make a decision, why you can't do this. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you why Jesus is the right choice. Let me tell you this. You can commit yourself to Jesus because he has already committed himself to you. 2,000 years ago on a cross, the creator of the world took the punishment for your sins and for mine every sin you have ever committed, every sin you ever will commit. And he took the punishment of that sin upon himself. He drank the cup of God's wrath till there was nothing left. Let's think back to what we've said here. It's like, how many of you, if you're gonna build a tower, you won't sit down and think about how much it cost. You don't wanna get to where you're halfway done. You're like, oh, I ran out of money. Notice, Jesus, when he died for you, he knew the cost. He didn't run out of grace. He knew how much it would cost. And he paid it all. Paid everything. So that the sin that holds you in bondage, he freed you from. And Jesus gives you what this world cannot. He can save you in a world that this world cannot save you. He can give you joy that this world cannot give. He can give you peace that this world cannot give. And to commit yourself to Christ is not to earn your salvation. You know what it is? It's to stop trying, actually. And allow him to guide your life. Kaylee, my wife, posted a a sermon, a a sermon? A a, a scripture on her Instagram story today. It's Galatians 2.20, I think. It says, therefore I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. What more beautiful way to sum up the Christian life. I've been crucified with Christ. I have laid aside my desires and my wants and my sins are dead on the cross and I have decided to follow Christ with everything that I have. That is what being a Christian is and you have that choice. And you only can make that choice because the Holy Spirit has allowed you to make it. He's brought you to this point. He has brought you to this room. He's brought you here tonight, February, whatever it is, 2nd, 2021, it's eight o'clock. The choice is before you.
what will you do? Thank you again for listening to the Central Students Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net slash students. 